if you were here at least uh, the past Sunday, uh, we have been in a series, Pastor Doug introduced a series, Too Busy Not to Belong, an invitation to Christ's countercultural community. And for that series, we, we took a dive into the book of Ephesians, one of my favorite books, by the way, and I love it because if there ever, ever is a book that speaks to my heart dearly, it is the book of Ephesians because it is the book about the church. Now, the book of Acts is the book about the church as well, the beginning of the church. But the book of Ephesians is one letter, one epistle that Paul has put together. There were no major issues or anything going on that he had to address. But what he was doing was simply saying, you know, uh, you are this church in the first three chapters of Ephesians. You are this, this, this person that is in Christ. And he set the stage for the identity of those who are redeemed, that we are in Christ, with Christ. And he said that there are some grave, some serious implications about being with Christ and in Christ. And that first one, two, three chapters, we come away very encouraged because we know that we are somebody, that we count, that we have been made worthy. I, I, I love the language because at one point he says, to the saints, he calls us saints. Blessed be the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. We have it all. In Christ, we have it all. Now, in chapter 4, so his first three chapters, he's setting it up as to what we have in terms of this, where we were at one point in terms of our identity. We were in darkness. We were these people. We were separated from God and all this stuff. But now we are in Christ. And so in chapter 4 and beyond, he goes into a discussion about, now, what does that look like? In terms of a church, ecclesia, a called out assembly, a congregation. What does that look like in terms of people in community? How do you act? How do you behave with other folks that are in Christ? How do you do this Christian thing in community? Pastor Doug did an excellent job as he described Apostle Paul's portrait of a community, you're Christ-centered, relationship-focused, purposeful, and transformational. Christ-centered, relationship-focused, purposeful, and transformational. Today, what I want to do is I want to kind of zero in a little bit on that piece about purposeful, because I believe that people that are in Christ as a community are people with a purpose. In fact, I would even go so far as to say that we are kingdom people. That is, we are kingdom-minded people. This is not something that we're just gathering on Sunday morning and we meet for a couple hours and then we go back into the world and then we do it all over again next week and we just kind of business as usual. No, God has called us to represent his kingdom, and we are a force to be reckoned with. 
Does that mean that we go out and we terrorize the world? No. It means that we go out there and we represent Christ. We're kingdom-minded people. Louis Burkhoff, a systematic theologian, true Christians constitute a kingdom in their relation to God in Christ as their ruler and the church and a church in their separateness from the world and devotion to God and in their organic union with one another. And that's the piece that I want to talk to today, that there's something about when you're in Christ, it means that you're together. Every one of us, we're together and God is doing something with us individually, but yet collectively. A purposeful community discerns its calling, and that's one of the key pieces today. Ephesians 4.1, Paul opens up. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Every single one of us sitting here, every child of God, every redeemed person that names the name of Jesus Christ has a calling on their life. That means you don't get to sit down and do nothing. We're going to talk about that later on. This morning, I want to look at uh, the passages that we've, uh, we have for today. The passage is in Ephesians chapter 4, and we want to pick up verse 7 through verse 13. But to each one of us has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does, it, what does he mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? Who, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The gifting of the each one in community, and this is a key piece here, verse 7 says, but to each one of us grace was given. Every single one of us that are in a called community as a call of people on a mission for God, every single one of us has been given this gift of God's grace. And we've been given this, 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 this ability within God's community to carry out God's business. Now that means that all of us has something to offer. That's all I'm saying. Everybody has something to offer. Every single one of us, we have talents, we have people that, are, that, that, that have gifts, and we're going to talk about the difference. When I speak about talents, natural talent, that's not the same as a gift, the spiritual gifts that we're talking about. Everybody, everybody, all of us have a spiritual gift. Some of us may have more than one spiritual gift. Not everybody has all talents or talent. 
There are some people that are very good naturally with things that they do, and some people that, that, that they, they're not. For instance, if a person, just by way of example, if a person, uh, let's say a person works with numbers all day long, and that's what they do in their, in their work, business work. They're, they're crunching numbers. They're, they're doing stuff. They're, they're the major financial CEO person or whoever, CFO. They're the major person. To assume that that person would move into the church now and automatically, that's, that's your gift that God has given you, is a false assumption. Now, that's a talent and ability that can be used within the church, true enough, but it, it's not necessarily the gift that God has given you to exercise in his church. Oftentimes, just by way of comment, oftentimes the thing that you, you're not exactly very good at is the thing that God will sometimes say, you know what, that's the thing I want to stretch you with. Keep that in your mind. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit, 1 Corinthians twelve four. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. All of us have gifts. But there are different functions with those gifts. And, and Paul is, is, is going to deal with that in this text. Now, I, I got to digress a little bit because I got to talk to something that's really interesting. And I, I found this very, very interesting in my study. Uh, Paul, in verse 8, quotes the Old Testament passage 68, Psalm 68, 18. Therefore, he says, he led... When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of host, host, captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. That one scripture in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, has given more theologians, more scholars, more headache and problem than any other verse. So I wasn't excluded. I, I, it gave me, you know, I was like, that's a no-brainer here. It's going to be a challenge. As I began to get into this text, it occurred to me that there's so much, so many different understandings about how that, why did Paul mention that particular text? In fact, you could almost say that actually Paul misquoted the text. Because if you go to 68, Psalm 68, he actually left off part of it and he actually translated, he actually changed the word gave and give. So it's theologians wrestle with that thing. They wrestle with, well, wait a minute, what is Paul, what is he doing? Why did he quote Psalm 68? It doesn't make sense. We call it a crux interpretum, a crossroad for interpreters, because it's one of those places where it, it creates this bit of uncomfort. So there's two references I came up with. I said, there's one reference that says if you read the, all of this book, uh, uh, Psalm 68, it has this reference. There's a, a, a mindset out there that says it references this picture of a warrior's return from battle in ancient times. And he has in his train, in his, in his, with his group, he has a bunch of the captives and he has the booty or the treasures that he has captured, taken. That's one line of thought, that this is a real situation that occurred and, and it could be David in David's time. There's another line of thought that says the reason that Paul was doing this is because he was referencing the Levites, which is in Numbers uh, 8 verses 6 and 19, where it has to do with God, where Israelites, 
the Levites were taken from among the Israelites. In other words, God pulled the Levites from the Israelites and put them captive in a sense so that what they could be given back to Aaron in the priesthood as gifts. I'm tending to land on that side of the interpretation. I'll tell you why. Just by waiting for those people that care about this kind of stuff and get into all this. Here's the reason why. People far smarter than I am, I, I, I consulted on this. Uh, Haddon Robinson is one of my favorite theologians uh, out of Dallas Seminary. He's, a, he's an expositor extraordinaire in terms of teaching and preaching and all of that. And he, his take is this. Anytime you have a scripture by a New Testament writer, an Old Testament scripture quoted by a New Testament writer, always defer to the New Testament writer's understanding of that scripture. In other words, don't circumvent the New Testament writer's understanding and try to figure out your own understanding. Go with the New Testament writer's understanding. And so that's what I'm doing on this one. I'm going with Paul's understanding. For whatever reason, he misquoted it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I have to be honest. I don't know. But the bottom line is that he was doing something very powerful there, and that is... He was showing that this whole thing, when you look at, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captive, a host of captives. He gave gifts to men. That's that, that, that picture of this ascension is a victorious or exaltation type of thing. In other words, what Paul was doing in his enthusiasm in writing this thing, beginning to launch us into this understanding of God giving gifts to the church. He, he says, only God, only Christ could have ascended such a, to a, such a height. Only Christ is authorized to give such gifts because not only did he come down to the earth, not to hell like some people interpret it and say he went down to hell and he preached and all that kind of stuff and they go to Peter and all this. I'm not, he came down to the earth, he got off, he came down, he was put up on a cross and he got up from the grave and he went to glory and he's at the right hand of the Father, hallelujah. That's his ascension and his ascension now now, because he's able to do that and he's done it now has placed us, his church, in a special place. That is, we are people that are gifted with his grace of the, with these gifts to carry out the function of God's program. Essentially, that's what it's about. God has given us authority because he had the authority. He has the authority to carry it out through us. God's program is relegated on us. Us those who are created in his name that actually say, yes, I want to do it your way, God. Those that are submitted to Christ saying, yes, whatever my gift is, I want it to function in the church and do what you have called me to do. Now, what is the purpose of the bestowal of these gifts? Just jump right in. I want to jump into verse 12. For the equipment of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building of the body of Christ. Very simple. Equipment of the saints, for the work of ministry, and for building the body of Christ. God's program needs us to move or advance his kingdom. That's the way God works. In other words, it's not for our benefit, it's for the benefit of others. When you and I gather in the church, we are gathering in the church, not because we're looking for somebody to do something for us. Feed me, do this for me. I'm here because I want somebody to preach and teach me. I want No, no, no. That's only part of what you're really doing. Yes, that may be the pastor's job to help equip you, to disciple you. But ultimately, you are to do what? Get up and move out and do what? Go out 
and take what you have learned and do something with it. Minister to the people outside the church. You see, the problem with the church oftentimes what we do is we, we, we sit and we're just navel gazing. We're happy with just sitting in the church and just being with each other. And God is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need people who understand their gifting, whatever that gifting is, and who are obedient to the, obedient to the extent that they're willing to say, whatever you have called me to do, God, I'm willing to do it in your name. And if it means going outside, I will do it outside as well. The body of Christ is gifted. For the common good. I love this picture, this scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 7 from the ESV. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Very key. Varieties of gift. All of us will have a gift. And we're so different. We're so diverse. But it is the same spirit. And there are varieties of service. Not all of us are called to do the same thing. Not everybody is called to preach. Not everybody is called to be on LT. Not everybody is called to serve. Not everybody is called to be outside as a hospitality person. All of us have different pieces. And what God is saying, when you take all those pieces together as a body of Christ, as this community, now guess what? My program is advanced and the church grows. And guess what? Everybody benefits and God is glorified. Why? Because we're all exercising our part. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in all, them in all, all in them, in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. The key piece of that scripture is for the common good. If you have a talent, if you have a gift, if you have a talent and a gift, both and, and God is using both your talent and your gift in the church. And you're at this place where you're kind of like, oh, this is, this is about me. I'm enjoying this. Not to say that you can't enjoy serving God, but if it starts to take on a kind of me-centered, a kind of self-centered thing, then maybe that's a point where you want to step back and say, God, is this truly something of you? How do we, how do we discern God's calling Dr. Tim Keller came up with, with this one that I'm using from a Redeemer back east. He says that you can discern God's calling if these three factors come together, affinity, ability, and opportunity. Ask yourself, what human needs do I vibrate to? What interests me? What are my passions? We're talking about trying to figure out, you know, you have this calling. All of us have a calling. But you ask yourself, what is it? What's what's resonating in my spirit? What's in my gut in terms of meeting some need or something like that? What are my interests? Then your ability. What am I good at? What do people say I am effective in? You see, one of the things that you do when you're kind of doing this whole gift examination thing is you ask around, what do people see? 
And you might want to ask two or three different individuals, do you see me doing such and such? Do you see me working in that capacity? Do you see me doing production? Could you see me doing as a person out there in the front doing a front line? Uh, no, I don't see you doing that because you're, you're a quiet person. We need somebody that's kind of smiling and, and, and out there. And so probably another area for you. It's not a stretch for me. Could it be a stretch? Yeah, it would be a real stretch for you. And then what is the opportunity? What doors for service are open? What needs to be done? A lot of times here in the church we ask and we put out there, we say we have needs in the church. And it's, 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 sometimes it's a burden because we don't get a good response. And this isn't a slam to anybody, but sometimes I think we don't get the good, a good response. It's because people just don't know what to do because they don't know where they fit in. And so as a community, as a people of God, part of our task is to begin to say, hey, we are a community and let's help each other figure out where do we fit in. That means we got to talk to each other. We got to connect with each other as we begin to talk to each other and say, hey, you know what? God has given me some gifting here. I know God has something for me. I've been in this church for two years now or six months now or 10 years, whatever, and I haven't figured out. I need your help. Figure out what is it God wants me to do. In verse, uh, verse 11, it says, uh, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. Those are just a few to name in the church, offices, officers in the church. You have apostles, you have uh, prophets, you have uh, some evangelists, pastors, teachers, you could all group, could group this whole category in, in this place called ministers. You have people that serve in this capacity. They're ministers. Now, is everybody in that capacity? To some degree, all of us are ministers because I believe in the priesthood of all believers. So we're all ministers in, in some sense. But in another sense, we need to find out what is that area What is the area that God has called us to? I'm amazed that sometimes I watch people operate and they're not even aware. They're not aware at all of how God is using them. And sometimes they just need a word of affirmation where you say to them, you know what? You're really good at that. Gosh, there's no way I could do that. that. I wouldn't have the patience for it. I watch people deal with the pick on pick uh, kid zone. I watch people deal with the young ones, the kids, and it's like I would probably last about ten minutes, and then I'd be I'd be bouncing off the walls with the kids. They'd run me out of there because I'd want to get them organized and say, "Okay, you sit here, you sit here, you sit here, and don't move." Okay, you sit right here, stay right there. See, I'd want to control it and keep everybody because I'm thinking if they start running around, it's going to be out of control. It's going to be crazy. I can't imagine 700 kids in Haiti. It's just, I would have just stood there and just, I would have been, just totally, I would have just out of it. So I know that that's the way God has gifted some individuals to be able to look at that and say, God, what an opportunity. See, I wouldn't be looking at it like God. I'd be looking, oh, no, what did I do? What are you punishing me for? 
But see, that's a different mindset from somebody that's not called to be in that kind of context. Some of you have jobs where you do certain things on your job here, and God has given you the gift of being able to take that kind of training and that ability into another location and use it in a way that comforts and blesses others. I think of our missions teams that have gone out, our medical missions teams that have gone out and done things where it's like, yes, that's their profession, that's their job, that's what they do. But then to have the love of Christ Jesus in the context of doing that kind of thing, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, you, you, you're doing some medical working on someone's, maybe some issue that they have with their health or teeth or something dental, and being able to do it with the love of Christ speaks volumes. Not everybody can do that. But all of us, all of us, we have something. Something. When all three factors, Dr. Keller would say, when all three factors come together, you can see God has equipped and called you to do something or to move in a certain direction. Start with the third aspect, opportunity. In other words, find jobs in the church that need to be done and then do them. Just serve. Don't ask too much about whether it fulfills you. If you've got to ask if it's going to be fulfilling to you, then you've got the wrong motivation there. What we do as a community of people in God's kingdom building, in God's church, in God's called out assembly, what we do is not necessarily something that we're saying, we want to be fulfilled. I want to, I got to get some fulfillment. You get fulfillment on your job or wherever else. But here it's all about God. God, how do I glorify your name in whatever task I'm doing? Heard this story once about a lady. I'll never forget this story. It just, it just, it's got to be at least 20 years ago I heard it. Big, huge church back east. And this lady, uh, every Sunday, would do the same thing. She was about 79 years old. Every Sunday, she would show up an hour before the service began. And here's an auditorium with, gosh, I don't know how many seats this big church, about a thousand seat church or something. And she'd walk around each church and put the little little envelopes in the back of each pew seat and she'd whisper a prayer. And she said, the reason I do that is because there may be somebody that's sitting in that seat and when they sit there, I want that seat to be covered with prayer. Every Sunday... And she'd been doing it for something like 15 years. And that's all she did. You would look at that and say, what a waste. Some people would look at it and say, what a waste. It's like, it would take her nearly, I don't know how much time to do it, but she would do it faithfully. Every Sunday, rain or shine, she would come there and put that little paper in each one, the little envelope, and pray until she left this world. Did God use her in a mighty way? You better believe he did. You better believe he did. Because every piece counts. Every job in the church, God has somebody for it. But you have to be open. Can I meddle a little bit? Because I love you. And I'm one of you. I'm going to do it anyway. Let me just meddle a little bit. 
what I'd like to see us as a church, as we get ready to, to move into greater things, I'm not going to say what I usually say, but it's true. The best is yet to come. As we get ready to move into that place where God has called us and God is calling us as a church, God is looking for people in this community, in this GRX, that are not looking for somebody to come and make life okay with them. We're preparing to call the pastor and all of that at some point. But if you're sitting back thinking that if we just get the right pastor in, all of a sudden everything is going to be okay and I don't have to do nothing because we'll have the right pastor now. So everything, we can kind of rest. I hate to tell you this, you're sadly mistaken. Because God has called pastors, teachers, everybody, everybody that's going to be in this community, everybody that's doing life together here will have a task with the pastors, with the other leaders, LT, with the small groups. There's always something to do. It's just a matter of asking, God, where do you want me to serve? What do you want me to do? I I would never tell anyone to serve in some capacity because somebody just said, yeah, you need to get over there and serve because they need people. Yeah, that's okay. But if it's not something that's your area where God is calling you to, based on your gift mix, whatever that is, however you discover it, then you're not going to, it's it's just not going to resonate with you. And I believe that sometimes you have people that are doing things where their spirit, their heart's not there. And I think they sometimes do more damage. Because you have new people that will come in, and if you're standing out there on front line or standing out there and you really don't want to be there, but you just went out there because Pastor Ali or somebody asked you to do it, and you're just standing there looking like a mean mo, when people are coming in, you probably shouldn't be standing out there. We probably should have someone else standing there, somebody that's going to smile, somebody that's going to be a Dave Hero person or a Hannah that's going to be out there. Hey, good morning. Welcome to GRX. Somebody like, like my brother back there, Ivan. Good morning. Welcome to GRX. Somebody that has that kind of spirit because they've got the gift of hospitality in their mix. And so they meet people and they genuinely, when things come up, when people walk up, they can say, good morning. Welcome to GRX. And it's not phony. It's real. Because they're welcoming in spirit. Because they have, we have a theology of welcome here anyway at GRX. But let me meddle just a little bit more. We got folk. We got folk that just aren't there. And I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. If you've been coming to this, if you've been coming to this church any length of time, and you're still just coming and you're just a puster. You know what a puster is? Most of you don't know because unless you're in a church with pews, a pewster is a person that just comes and sits and they just want to be entertained. Yeah. Oh, that's their sermon. Oh, that one's a good one. Oh, that's a five and a scale of one to ten. Oh, that's a seven. Yeah. And then they leave and they come back the next Sunday. That worship was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. We want to move beyond just pewster stage. We want to be a community that's vibrant, a community that says, We have gift mixed here, and we know what we're supposed to do. We know what we're called to do, and we're willing to do whatever God has called us to do. And so we're open to however God wants to use us, and that's where we start. You still with me? Now, I want to end this with this. Here's my last slide. It's just a picture. 
I really believe that God does have a plan. A plan that all of us are in. Because in that last verse, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to mature measure of statue, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. If you look at verse 16, verse 15, it says, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. And then verse 16, uh, joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building itself up in love. What am I getting at? What are you talking about, Pastor Ali? What I'm saying is that there's this maturity factor involved in community. You understand what your gift mix is. You understand what God has gifted you with and how you should serve. And you begin to investigate that and pray about that. And you get out there and you begin to engage with others. You may find out that there's somebody else that has similar interests and passions and gifts and find out that all of a sudden it's about six of you. Hey, we all have the same time. And then you can go out now and do stuff in the church. That kind of collective gathering together now builds the church up. And that's how the church matures and grows for the glory of God. But you have to be intentional about searching your own heart of hearts, asking yourself, God, where is it? What is it that you, how have you wired me? Am I a person that's, a, that's an open person that's very gregarious? I, can, I, I like to talk to people and stuff. Or I'm a person that's quiet and behind the scenes. Uh, when the church needs somebody to work on the finances and stuff, that's an area that resonates with me. And I just want to see God's kingdom advance through good stewardship at GRX. And that's where my heart is at. Praise God. But find out where is it that you belong. Because God has a plan. We're part of it. GRX is part of it. Father, you're so good to us. You're so good to us.